Welcome to Layout, a weekly podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Our main topic for this week, how do you approach big projects? Kevin Clark, how are you? Hello, I'm doing great. Show me more energy. Show me more energy. <laughs> Should I be louder? Just kidding. Steven, cut, cut all this out. This is not great podcast material. I can't hear you. For, <laughs> how are you doing tonight? <laughs> Ooh, insert effects. Um, uh. Hey, uh, we, should, we, should, we should be real podcasters and start our show with follow-up. Okay, so first question uh, that I have for the audience, um, <laughs> because I've actually heard a lot about our last episode from a lot of content strategists at Shopify, apparently, <laughs> that listen to the show, really? um, and they've told me that they enjoyed it, so that's good, <laughs> but I was very like, good. My, my first reaction was, oh no, <laughs> what stupid <laughs> things that I say, Um but yeah, people were really happy that we talked about content and that maybe we can like like open more people's minds about content strategy being like an important thing. Um, and uh, so my question for the audience is, is that something that you're interested in? Because um, I was thinking maybe we could do an episode with like someone who actually knows what they're talking about with content strategy and um, <laughs> give you like some tips or pointers for like how to get started, how to get better um in content strategy i personally think that would be interesting but i don't know if like the audience like wants that so um if you'd be interested in hearing about that let us know uh i'm not the audience but can i say <laughs> yes please uh <laughs> no I, you're not allowed this is it doesn't count this is this is for the people yeah. we're not we're not doing this for you <laughs> okay well <laughs> just kidding crap <laughs> um yeah so Come on, people. We, might, we might do that uh next awesome. up is uh we got a tweet from our friend Chevy. Mm-hmm. Um Hi Chevy. And um he was saying that he just finished the episode and uh an article that he read a few weeks ago um just came to mind. Um and so this article is uh, going to be in the show notes um and it's titled Ever wonder why the most popular apps are starting to look the same? It might be a good thing. Uh, and basically what the article talks about is that as time goes on, like a lot of the, the apps that we use, uh, like Instagram, Apple music, Airbnb, Apple news, Twitter, all that stuff, like are starting to kind of adopt similar styles. Um, Mm -hmm. but what they say is that having that, like a more consistency in between the apps, uh, means better usability because people have already have like patterns that they know how to use. So you're not reinventing the wheel. If you know how to use one of the apps, you know how to use all of the apps. Um, second point is that uh, there's more focus on the content. Um, so rather than like focusing on, ooh, that flashy UI and like look at these animations, uh, it's more, it make it allows the content to shine. So the great example of that is Instagram. Like it used to be like blue bars and black and orange and lots of different things. And now it's a lot more grayscale. So 
that makes the images stand out more. Um, and then um, the last one is that branding isn't just how it looks, uh, but it's a lot of in how it works. So using Instagram again, um, like the way that story works, I find as a as a product, like has a lot of personality in it. Um, to me, at least, it, it, like it is very Instagram, um, even if like there's nothing that's like super groundbreaking in terms of UI and uh, like more or less look like if you just look at a story and you look at Snapchat story, like they kind of look the same. Uh, but in the way that you interact with them, the little like subtle feature differences, um, you can tell like the personality of the app. Um, so, yeah. I guess like overall the article is trying to say that um having like kind of the same patterns in interface design like doesn't mean you can't be creative um and that can be a good thing. So yeah, I think it's an interesting article uh for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's upsides for sure to this sameness like obviously. <laughs> like this is why <laughs> this is why all these apps follow it. Um there's also some stuff that we're losing um which this article doesn't talk ton about um but you know it's what it is i think we by the way this is a great article um so links in the show notes if you want to take a look at it and thanks chevy for uh, sending it our way uh i think we, we kind of alluded to some of the things some of the points that they make in this article uh you know the fact that every single app on ios is like white background tab bar at the bottom and all that uh it looks the same and because we as an industry we're just better we're better. We know what works. We're we're focusing more on the user needs and user and usability and like letting the content shine and take you know the, the first row. Um, we're just getting better, and so we're eliminating some of the more superfluous or like just they really don't matter and don't improve the experience. Um, we're just trying to get rid of that. Um, so it's a good sign, uh, I guess. Uh, overall, it's a good direction. It's a good thing that this is happening. Yeah, everything looks a bit more boring, maybe. I wonder if, quote unquote, normal people uh, feel that way, or it's just us because we kind of want that challenge or f- feel like something is missing. You know, being on the inside of the industry. Uh, one analogy that I didn't use on the last show, but like I was thinking about it, so when I was editing, I was just shouting at the computer. <laughs> it's like uh, a similar example, maybe, is like cars. Cars is a very mature industry, and every single car you could say that looks the same. Hey. All of them have four wheels and maybe like, <laughs> you know, and a, and a, and a driving wheel. And uh, maybe they have a stick or a manual, manual or automatic transmission. But like, they all look the same. It's the same. You have seats. You have, you know, the the dashboard. It's the same thing. Just just changes some of the, like the profile of it and the color, <laughs> maybe, you know. Because we're just maturing. We We found what works as a car and what doesn't. Yeah, no, and I think it depends too on the type of app or service that you're using. Like, I really, really don't want my bank to have this like 
custom like playful over-the-top style like like, i do not want that i want it to be as boring as possible like just follow like standard ui kit like i this is what i would wish all the bank apps did um but they don't right like they don't like so many of them like honestly if you if you think about it bank apps are almost like amongst the most unique apps like they always do weird things i don't know if it's the same for you in, in portugal i guess your situation is maybe a little bit better like you have the startup banks right well, not in Portugal. Uh, per not se. in Portugal. Okay, in Europe generally. Yeah. yeah. Well, same for us. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. No. I, all I don't the, know. Like, in Canada, we don't really have suck. those. So, um, yeah, like there's queer transitions and animations and shadows and colors and it's <laughs> it's a mess. Um, so in that kind of app, like I just really want it to be functional. Um, but if I'm like playing a game or um, there was this uh, meditation app that I was that was trying out for a while. Um, it's been it's been like a really long time since it's been out, but um, it's kind of a new take on meditation. Um, and basically, what it asks you is to hold your finger on the screen uh, and and stay still, basically. Uh, but it has this like really interesting like kind of like motion animation. It's like this like. It's hard to like these blobs basically that are like moving around, um, and it's like with the sound of it too is like just like relaxes you and calms you down. It's a super interesting, like completely different experience. Um, so in that case, like yeah, like that's what I want. Like I want you to try to like push me outside my comfort zone, and I like it's not about efficiency; it's about like creating an interesting experience. So yeah, I think like sort of sameness has its place in certain use cases um and it doesn't in others so you just have to kind of weigh like which situation am i in right now uh and then adjust based on that now we're gonna let, let's jump into our uh, new segment that we debuted last week uh it was like a like a sneaky debut i don't know if people uh noticed <laughs> but uh we started the show it's not official until we have a jingle for it Ah, Just throwing right. that out there. Ah, shit. How to tune guitar. Uh, uh, I don't, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Rafa's doing this live. Okay, I got it. Uh, uh, wait, we need the lyrics. <laughs> so the segment is called, How Has Your Week Been? Uh... Kevin and Rafa are friends, so they ask the question, how has your week been? That's it, that's it, that's it. No, I think you should do like, how's your week been? How's your week been? How's your week been? <laughs> Just repeat it Just repeat, three times? Repeat stuff, repeat stuff. That's how song was <laughs> work. Yeah. <laughs> hey, throwback when people listen to uh, the... Uh, the no, you're not going to leave yeah. me singing into the show. How has your week been? 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 <laughs> perfect. Uh, perfect. Wow. <laughs> that was so Kevin, that was something. <laughs> <laughs> How has your week been? Uh, <laughs> funny. What did you do this week? <laughs> um <laughs> So, um last so people will realize like this is actually like we're going to the interesting things (laughs) 
because most of my weeks yep. uh, are boring. <laughs> but um, so one of the things I've done last week is um, I went to a friend of mine who organized a uh, what they called a side project Saturday. So basically, that was a super cool idea. They just invited a bunch of friends over to their place. Uh, they had food, they had coffee, they had music. Um, and yeah, we were just like a bunch of friends working on side projects together. Um, it was super fun, super nice. Uh, I thought it's a great idea. We're probably going to do it again. Uh, got to kind of hang out and see some people that I don't see super often. Uh, but it was cool to see like what everyone's working on. Um, and it was like, I don't know, it was, it was inspiring. Um, so what I worked on, I worked on, um, I'm sort of rewriting the Montreal Design Club website uh, with Gatsby. Because um, <laughs> right now it's just a static site. And one of the problems there is, like, I have, I announced my next event, basically. And right now I have to basically, like, update the website every time the event's over <laughs> to, like, remove it. Um, so having with Gatsby, I'll be able to, like, sh- show and hide stuff, quote unquote, dynamically um happens all in the browser that's magic so wait so you want to you want to dynamically update based on date yeah just hide the events after they're done so yeah you can fire up like a lambda function i'm not even not even need to do that i just do it in javascript (laughs) i like loop through the events and then like hide them which i guess i could do uh with just like the static website that i'm doing right now but it's kind of a pain to do, like if you're not doing it in React. Um, so yeah, I rewrote most of the website. I also added a picture section, um, and I guess I can send you a link. Um, and as I was doing that, um, I was like just looking at different uh, plugins for Gatsby and stuff like that. Um, and I found this—I don't know. Do you call them plugins? <laughs> Node modules? Is that it? <laughs> Something like that. I honestly don't. Um, sure. And it's a thing for React that allows you to do um, uh, that allows you to do parallax effects really easily. (laughs) And oh boy, Uh, this is very dangerous. (laughs) Because I started, I was like, oh, like it'd be kind of cool if I had like some slight parallax as you're scrolling the images. Um, And then I very quickly (laughs) ended up like parallaxing all the things it was like super intense super over the top um so now i'm like trying to scale it back i still don't know if it's too much this is not too much i feel like this is this is acceptable amount it's not distracting yeah i don't know i (laughs) it's like parallax is a thing where looks great you start very with a very light amount and it's very easy to go all in and make it very crazy but I think the idea for parallax is you you can basically not notice it, but if you pay attention to like, oh yeah, these images like do move at a different speed. Um, and I really made sure to not do like any um, scroll jacking stuff. So the page still scrolls normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that stuff move a little bit. Honestly, this looks great. Thank you. Um, I would remove the the hover effect on some pictures because they zoom in. You know. Oh yeah, these ones. Yeah. Because, like, it's not a link, but they zoom in when you hover the mouse. That's true. The cursor doesn't change. And then the photos below, they don't have the same behavior. So it's kind of, I'm like, I wonder why. Makes me question things. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, maybe I'll remove it. 
or add it to both. But I think you're right that it's kind of annoying to have the photos be zooming. It's like if you have a hover effect, I expect like that means something. Mm-hmm. Either you can click or you can something. So if you don't add interaction, I wonder like why is it moving then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I think originally one thing I wanted to do is have the image linked to the person so you could go to their mm-hmm. website or something. Uh, yeah. Which maybe I should do. And then it makes sense to keep the zoom effect. I don't know. We'll see. Tell me what you think. <laughs> Give me, send me feed. Are you going to share this link with the, with the audience? I guess I will. It's so it's, this is the new version. It's hosted on Netlify. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I love not it. Not a sponsor. People. I love not it by the way. I swear. It's, Thank I you. find that there's like nothing that's easier to use than Netlify. Like, it's so like you like nobody's paying me to say this, but um, I find that it's like the simplest. You just connect a repo and then you select the one you want, and that's it. Like <laughs> you have a website that's up and running, like automatically deploys everything. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, the only thing I haven't done yet is hook up a custom domain. Uh, and I'm sure it's super, super easy. And I think you can buy it like right on Netlify. Um, my problem is I have a bunch of websites that I'm like all migrating over to Netlify. Um, so I need to like move from the place that the domain is hosted or whatever. Like it's pointing at like some other thing. And now I need to change it. Um, so that's something I need yeah. to look into. But I'm sure I'm sure it'll be pretty easy. We made it as easy as we can get, but uh, DNS uh, is <laughs> like the dark side of the web. Is terrible technology. Show title. And we can only do so much. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was my weekend. It's, it's funny how you. So we were like working with Gatsby and all, because I also did a little side thing uh, this past Sunday with Gatsby as well. Because uh, so I've known Gatsby for the longest time. I've actually like met the creator Kyle Matthews. Hi Gatsby. Hmm? You were like I've I've known Gatsby for a while. <laughs> you made it sound <laughs> like it was a person. Yeah, Miss Gatsby. Um, what's the name of the movie? Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> Great Gatsby. <laughs> um, but I never I never use it for anything for myself. So um, as you know, as you know, we're moving to Amsterdam, so we wanted to get rid of a bunch of stuff that we like. We can't really, you know, ship all of our furniture and a bunch of stuff. We have too much stuff, so we want to give it away. Uh, well, not really. We we're going to try to sell it to family and friends. Um, so I put together this like this Gatsby site, uh, effectively like with a bunch of items that we were selling, um, and it was a chance for me to first play with it and also like uh, learn the, like a bit more about json files because i like created json files like the source data of all everything mm, okay, right. um devs also like helped me out like you know creating an inventory of all the items <laughs> anyway it was nice. kind of fun um so uh yeah we, we did that uh it's also on Clify. hey not a spot not a sponsor i swear <laughs> um yet <laughs> so yeah um yeah no that that's super awesome i love i love that you did that one thing i noticed don't you have your PS4 on that list? So there are a couple items there that, like, I am I'm taking that with me, but I still need because we're using that like that JSON file as like the like an inventory thing. We just needed um, a place to have like where everything is going. So if this is 
going to our moms or to someone else or a friend or back to us with Amsterdam. So there are a couple of items that, like the PS4 and like the Nintendo Switch, they were like, yeah, we're not really selling it. So it was like sold out. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it helps uh-huh. to... You know, let other people know, like, oh man, they're, they're really like they're selling shit very fast. We, we might we need to jump soon. Ah, uh, okay, so it's a it's a social thing, <laughs> and it's also for us to just keep track of stuff that we actually do need to ship back to Amsterdam. So sweet. Uh, one thing you did, one other thing you did, uh, was it this week or last week? You posted a Procreate video. Yeah, how you can like copy something from the Mac and then cool. Okay, I sure. Um. So I've been, you know, because of the whole iPad journey, uh, it's like a saga. We're on iPad season. Um, my favorite app on the iPad, honestly, is Procreate. Just like the quality of app, <laughs> of the application is just so, so yeah. good. So I've been trying to use it for more than just, you know, cause its intended purpose, which is drawing, um, which I've also been doing a bit more. But um, so my my idea is like, I really like the iPad, but I can't really use it for design work can't there's no design tool for the ipad there's no sketch there's no figment there's no nothing mm-hmm. um but i still it's still pretty um it's still pretty useful to annotate like to sketch out ui really quick so i was, was i was looking to use procreate to sketch out ui so one thing that I, and that's how i that's what i uh, tweeted by the way we're going to put links in the show notes uh be sure make sure to not forget to do that <laughs> um it's like you can copy something like you take a screenshot on your or your mac for example um, you copy that, and then in Procreate, you can create a new project from the clipboard. So effectively, you're going to paste that that screenshot you just took in Procreate, and that's like your canvas. So then you can like select stuff, push it around, you can draw, and you can sketch up UI. And I found that really useful for me to quickly sketch out some things, and then you can just also copy and paste it back on your Mac. So like the you know, the transition, the the content, the context shifting is pretty seamless, actually. If you have like the iPad with you on your desk, uh, pretty cool. And uh, after I posted that on Twitter, I found also a couple other tips, I guess, which is I've created, I've exported a bunch of like default uh, UI elements that we use in Netlify. So basic stuff like cards and like a navigation something or like very simple, or, like not not even buttons, but like simple uh UI blocks that I reuse all the time, and I exported as PNGs. They're on my desktop on a on a folder called like UI blocks or whatever I call it. And so, in Procreate, if I want to sketch out something, I can just uh, insert files. And using iCloud Drive, I can pick those files from my desktop. So uh. I can like quickly pick like a card and put that on Procreate. You know, as a layer, it's a, it's its own layer, and just quickly like builds. Like a you know a low fidelity mockup, um, which was pretty. It's pretty fun. It's actually it's actually pretty effective. So that's really interesting. Brilliant. Yeah, you should uh, you should start a, a website where you <laughs> give people all these tips. What do you call it? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> what what could we call it? Let's see. Let's come like up the, with like a brand new name, like uh, uh, Procreate Casts or something. Or like if you can if you can. This is effectively you're sketching on your iPad, so you can say iPad sketch casts or something. <laughs> I think I uh, you, you'd, you'd, you'd run about. too close to uh, copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I know those guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very cool. So, yeah, go check it out. I, I learned a lot. I didn't know that you could strain the lines in Procreate. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. The the one problem with Procreate, by the way, is is that uh, like it's 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 a bitmap thing, right? It's not a vector, so it's yeah. really hard for you to edit something out or even like export it and maybe manipulate it on your computer afterwards. You can't really do that. Um, so that that's unfortunate. And honestly, I don't think it, I don't feel like it should be on their plans to address soon because you know it's it's a bit out of its imp- its intended purposes, but. Still, it's the one thing. Yeah, you know. I honestly wish they did it though, because you're right. Like, it just yeah. using it for the last couple of weeks, um, I do run into issues sometimes. Like, I do, I do like the new and screen size <laughs> kind mm. of uh, format, but then like you kind of want to zoom in and everything's pixelated. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Yeah, true. So, true, true. but I I usually just. Uh, start with a huge canvas and then <laughs> zoom yeah in i think that's default. probably what i need to do but. but you can't the good news is that you can't um you can change the size of the canvas afterwards so if you're on your file you can go to the the gear thing and can change the size of the canvas so you can make it bigger actually as you go uh, okay huh very interesting cool anyway all right um so what have we not been doing this week <laughs> that's not a segment let's let's get to our main topic kevin do you want to uh introduce the main topic for today yeah absolutely um so okay <clears throat> what i want to talk about this week is um sort of something that i'm going through right now um i obviously can't talk about the specifics of the project that i'm working on uh but i'm working on this like pretty big project um <clears throat> that has a ton of moving parts where we're starting pretty much from scratch. Like, it's not, like, an improvement necessarily to a thing that already exists. Um, And uh, having worked, like, on the checkout team for a really long time, like, it's been a while since I've done that. Um, Like, at a really large scale. Like, like not just, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to build a little website for myself. Like, that's fine. But uh, this is, like, a huge project that, like, will probably take us a year to complete um and uh yeah i kind of wanted to talk about that like (laughs) basically like um things that the ways that we approach sort of large and sometimes ambiguous projects obviously like in like most people's cases like it might not be a project that will take you an entire year um but I've just found that, like, unlike other projects that I've worked on, this project just has a ton of ambiguity of stuff that we don't really know. Um, And one thing that was interesting for me is, like, how we chose to approach it. Like, we've we've changed sort of our process um, to tackle this this project. So we can talk about that uh, if you're interested. Yeah, I... So... I'm, I'm, I come from a very different um, reality, right? Uh, size of team, uh, scope of projects, I guess. Um, I don't have experience, you know, working on a big project that took us a long time. I, I feel like the longest project I worked on was what we call the 2.0, effectively what mm-hmm. the UI is today. And we shipped that like two years ago, something like that. Um and that I feel like that took us around five months. That was like the longest 
right. biggest project, five six months maybe. Um, but it, but it was needed. It was crucial. I, I mean, it's still it's still what you know took us where we are today. But with that said, uh, actually, I have like a big project coming up, maybe. And the more the closer we get to it, I feel like we just honestly we we are fighting against treating it as a big project. So maybe just like you know break it into smaller chunks, something more manageable. Mm. And again, a big uh, a big reason for that is that the size of the team and the resources that we have. Because uh, if we're going to allocate, like, if I personally am going to work on this project for a year, that means that probably all the other projects won't have my <laughs> attention <laughs> until then. Right. Uh, and we can't really afford that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm really curious to see how that scales up once you have the resources and you can do that. Like you know, a company like Shopify. But for us, the reality is like, if you, the answer to the question, how do you work on big projects is you don't. You break <laughs> it down in smaller chunks. Right. You can manage. <laughs> and I 100% agree very... with that. Like, and, and that's okay. also what okay, we're cool. doing. Like we're aggressively scoping um, our versions of this. Um, but we like, we have a long roadmap and our, like, <laughs> It's so okay. <laughs> it, it this is going to be an interesting episode because I can't talk about the specifics, right? But yeah. I still want to talk You're about being it. Very careful as we're like being you... in the process of doing it, because um, I think like if I wait like super long, then I'll have forgotten about all the things. Um, so apologies for being like hyperbolic in certain things, but um, we've have this like grand vision for how the thing will be in like five years you know um of all the things we could possibly do and all these ideas um and then what we've done is like we've aggressively said like okay what do we absolutely need to have something that's that's like even chippable right like mvp yeah like the classic sort of mvp um stuff um for us though it's like one thing that we found is there are some things that we actually need to include, even if they're not uh quote unquote MVP, like where we could theoretically ship without it, but we choose to ship with it. Um, and mm. a reason for that is again, like you have to be very cautious about these because it's so easy to bloat up your your scope, um, just adding yeah. things. Um, but for us, there are, were some things that we saw where they're not necessarily essential for now, but we know that that's part of the bigger vision long term, and that if we don't start our our project with kind of that assumption in mind. Um, like we'll be in the wrong paradigm, if that makes sense, that it will make it really hard for us to introduce that down the line. Like unless we start with that kind of frame of mind. Does that make sense? Like something that like us not doing a thing from day one would mean that we would have to use like a different model. And then like that would make it way harder for us to introduce the new model in the future. And so like yeah we that's a good point it, it like us not doing that like saves us a little bit of time now but it adds a lot of time for us later down the road because we'll have to mm-hmm. migrate everyone from like one mental model of like how you handle 
this action to being something completely different. And then we have to migrate people like from one version to another because it doesn't really scale directly. Like it's two sort of different models. Um, so there are things like that you have to do like scope wise um, to figure out like, okay, we're, are we building something just for the sake of shipping now? Or are we thinking long-term for us? We know that this is something that we want to continue investing in long-term. And so we want to try to position ourselves in the right direction so that like we don't shoot ourselves in the foot later on. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> like you try to shave off yeah. your scope and try to remove stuff for the sake of now. Right. Um, but, but yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you're going to need to add the, that stuff back in eventually. And so that that exercise of removing stuff in, adding it back later, that also takes time and effort. And is it worth it yeah. if we know we're going to have to do it eventually? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah that, there's also... That's, that's super tricky. Yeah. Like, and even from our V1, um, some stuff that we're, that we're looking at is like, okay, is there some like infrastructure things that we can kind of, you know, just shit like that it doesn't need to all go out at the same time like we can set up some infrastructure things like it's not <laughs> used uh really by anything but then like eventually um it becomes you know it becomes useful um so maybe as like as an example maybe uh, just to make it clear for our listeners uh correct me if this if you like this doesn't apply but I i'm thinking uh generically like Imagine that you have a product and you know, a brand and you need to ship something and uh, you know they're going to have to build uh, mobile apps because because 2019. And so you need you know you need to do an iOS and an Android app, but like for MVP, let's start with an iOS app. But you build all your backend in iCloud Drive because that's easier. Uh, but then when you get to finally building your Android app, it's going to take way more effort yeah. to you know decouple that backend uh, from iCloud Drive or whatever, then to accommodate Android. Then if you had back, you know, back before you shipped that iOS, like already planned and worked, um, you know, planned ahead effectively, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's a fantastic example. So, yeah, stuff like that. Um, that's, I'd say, like more uh, a project man or product management-y type yeah, things sure. that obviously like we're involved in. But um, yeah, I don't know. I. I, I find that stuff fascinating of like how do we choose what to do, what not to do, like the whole timing of these things. Like how do we, we've even been thinking a lot about uh, product marketing through this whole thing of like, how do we, how are we going to introduce this thing? Like, how do we talk about it? Like it's, so that's, that's been like new to me too, like working with marketing, like right from the beginning kind of an interesting uh process uh i definitely want to talk about more about that later um when we're like when we've shipped probably because uh, i think there's some interesting kind of learnings there um but yeah so one of the things that we've been doing as we're designing this thing uh again apologies for not being able to talk about it um <laughs> one thing that we've been doing like I don't even know if that's a thing or if we've just like kind of made it up as a, as a team, but we've been calling it the 80% method. Um, and I don't even know if 80% is the right percentage here. Uh, but what we've been doing is that we've been uh, splitting up 
the whole project into like smaller chunks of like we need to do all of it for v1 but they're like logical separations so i don't know like say you're building a new app like maybe you have like an accounts page and maybe you have like an onboarding flow and maybe you have Mm -hmm. the main core functionality of your app or something like that so those are different kind of parts uh but everything needs to kind of like flow in from one another right so like obviously like you go from your onboarding to creating your account to moving on to like the main section of of the app like all these things are sort of interconnected in a sense um and so what we've been doing right now and like we're really just like at the sketching level um is like we've been taking like a week and going in and exploring an idea for one of the the parts of the project and just going like sort of 80 percent of the way (laughs) so we don't go like full in depth like we don't know exactly let let's just say let's use onboarding as a thing like that's not what we've been working on but um let's say like the stuff that we're working on is the onboarding part like we would just like go and spend a week thinking about onboarding and like sketching different ideas for how that might work at the end we don't have a fully fledged fledged like idea of what the full onboarding is going to look like or what you know like where the buttons are going to be or like how the steps exactly are going to are going to be like but we'll have a general idea um of okay we think that this is probably more or less what it's going to be and then like there's going to be tons of little like individual details that we'll have to consider and we'll have to think about um later on but we do that 80 percent, and then we move on to something else so what we're trying to do is sort of fill in a lot of the the sort of the general map of our project um to see like Mm -hmm. okay we know a little bit we have a little bit of an idea of the onboarding okay, we have a little bit of an idea of the accounts page and then we're going back in later on and like filling in a lot of the details. And the reason why we've been uh, using that approach is that, again, lots of ambiguity, lots of things to consider, like both on the engineering side, on the product side, on the marketing side, on like, you know, lots of of questions. And we even have a lot questions like where we don't we don't even know what the right answer is um so that approach has worked pretty well for us so far in helping us like get a sense of where we're going with this because going in super deep in one area would mean that we'd probably uh like directionally like not like that it would not connect back with the other stuff and that it wouldn't make sense um and I find like often projects, like it's not always clear, like what should be the first thing that you work on? Like everything right. is intermixed and interrelated. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I've rarely worked like this, um, but I've been thinking it's uh, like, it's an approach that I want to take again. Uh, next projects that, that we do. I really wish I, I was better at that. If I'm being honest, I, I usually try, try to not try. I usually fall in the trap of like sweating a lot of detail on one thing that it, in the big picture stuff is not that important. Uh, and then you miss, yeah, you miss that, that like bird's eye view of the whole thing and how everything connects together because you're too focused on one small thing. It's like if you're trying to yeah. draw like a human character, 
usually just draw an outline, right? A rough sketch of the whole composition. And then you start, you know, writing the outlines and then you start coloring in. So you start like on the abstract and then you zoom in. If you start like really detail on one hand yeah. and you try to you know, draw the other hand, it's like, oh shit, I didn't really... Yeah, or like, uh, yeah, or like you do like you do the one eye, and it's like the super detailed, like all the like things, all the colors, right. and the eye, and everything. There's just one eye, like in the entire drawing. Um, that's like that's the difference versus like you know sketching the whole thing and doing like step by step. Um, but I've you're at time totally agree with you. Like it's so hard to do. Like I feel like I like, and I'm not the main designer on the on the project, but. I'm obviously participating. Um, as like, I feel like I'm holding myself back. Like I want to, ju- I want to yeah. jump in so much and like, d- like design the whole thing like perfectly, like right immediately. But we know that given that the context that we're in, it makes more sense to get stuff sort of eighty percent of the way there because like we're changing a lot of things that influence other parts. So we like if we take back that that example of of this app we're like oh like we need to add this other feature to the main functionality of the app and it's like oh but wait a minute like this means we need to add something to to the onboarding and it also connects to your profile page so it's like all these things always change um so we do need to keep that it's impossible for you to avoid that that's you know that's part of the job but you're right like yeah, not not really going all in in one aspect of the product can go a long way in avoiding some of that wasted effort, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, we haven't talked about that a lot um, on the show, but um, we've also, it was clear to us that we need to involve research and content like from the very beginning. So before we even mm-hmm. did any designs, like we did some research um, and also approach the whole thing from a very like content centric approach um so that's that's also been very helpful um again it's like the more complex the project i think the the more the actual visuals become a liability at the beginning where it's like we need to not be designing right now like we need to think about what we need to do and why and what is like the mental model around how people do things and under like just understand workflows and stuff like that so yeah it's so, honestly of course, of course i can't say much as usual but uh yeah. i just been gone through this like we were working on a new feature and we got to the not end stage but we got to like final composition i got mock-ups for all the thing and realized oh shit wait no the flow is totally off like this <laughs> doesn't work right so back to the drawing board, back to, you know, just sketching out ideas and, and working on the flow. And this is all text-based. And, and, and yeah, and it's, okay, so I feel like there's there's two sides to this. So in one way, yes, you want to avoid bringing, you know, high-fidelity mock-ups and, and bringing that uh, into the flow because you don't really want to, you know, it's a risk. If you spend too much time on it, then some of that can go can go to waste. But the flip side of that is like sometimes having that, having those mockups, having that like the real thing in front of you can also like highlight some of the problems. Oh like, yeah, one hundred percent. You can hide so much, so many things in a sketch. 
But it's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like there's going to be like these paragraphs here and this image and these icons and these things. Yep. And then you actually put that in an interface and like there's no space for all of that crap. <laughs> like it, there's no way yep. this fits into an interface. So, yeah, yeah, 1000%. And that's why I think it really depends what stage you're at and what kind of project it is. Like, I really don't think that this mm-hmm. approach like makes sense for a small like we're just tweaking this thing or we're just like improving on an experience that already exists because like for us like we're not even at a stage where you really could like do a full like mock-up of Mm -hmm. precisely what the thing would look like like there's still way too many questions um to to answer so it's yeah it's not like the right moment there will come a moment where it 100% is important. And I agree. Like, I often feel like if I see, like, sometimes, like, you can see sketch, the sketch, and it's like, look, it seems like it's not a bad idea like that you're, you're presenting to <laughs> me, but it's all going to be an impl- implementation. Like, how do you execute on that idea is going to be, mm-hmm. like, what makes it or break it. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely, like, less about being prescriptive i think about like a specific way of working but more about having the flexibility to like switch up your process based on the type of work you have to do absolutely and and, you know that's the whole topic of today like big projects the nature of that yes you need to really you know you know like on a age of empires and that type of game and where you have the fog of war like you can't see the map yeah until you walk you know through it it will unveil slowly the map. When there's such a big project, you have no idea in where, in even on which direction to go. So you kind of need to just explore yeah. all the area to get a, a good and sense of the And you don't even know map. how big and the map can... is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> big project. That's Yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about it. <laughs> uh, hey, man, it's it's very early. And again, apologies. I don't know if this is a good idea to like try to talk in code word about a thing that hasn't happened yet <laughs> um but I, f- I feel like i forget about stuff so quickly so i think it is nice to talk about it as it happens but yeah. the trade-off is that we can't talk about the specifics is there any side dish that you want to get of to? course i feel like this is this might be a very like kevin-centric <laughs> show but um i have a rent I love it. I have a rent oh this week, no, that's a different segment. Um, <laughs> Kevin's got a rant. All right, so what is your rant, Kevin? Old man, Kevin. Okay, you so cloud? if you've been following along on Twitter, uh, you've probably seen me tweet about this. Uh, but you know, I feel like rants are so much better when, like, we talk about them mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, rather than than written. So okay, so I got this email uh, this week uh, from. Uh, someone I've I've kept kept his name, uh, Vincente or Vicente I guess. Uh, no one. Um, who works for some company uh, that shall not be named, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because uh, he sends me the email and he says like, "We want a beta trial something with companies like Kevin Clark <laughs> who want to participate with five plus designers." uh and it's like very hilarious because they've obviously just taken like the first name and last name that i use to sign up for Uh their product (laughs) like this is not like a company name 
Uh-huh. Uh, and they've just there it's a, an email that's written like as if it's a personal email but but obviously like i know that <laughs> this is just a list that you're sending the same email to hundreds and hundreds of people um so but whatever you know i get emails like this all the time i just i love it when when some emails have like so maybe the the first line saying like hi rafa or whatever it's a different f- uh, font size oh, yeah. than the rest have you seen this and we're like yes okay i get it like you just added it the first line yeah <laughs> the rest is like a template Ugh. yeah but this is more advanced like this is like uh some real automation here mm. um next but level yeah I, I, I did get that high marketing. <laughs> but it's i mean it's so funny like no human would actually send that <laughs> you realize that's kind of stupid but anyways uh i just you know just ignore it archive it done no problem <laughs> then a couple of days later i get i get a, a uh another email <laughs> he says hey kevin you might you might have missed my note <laughs> about the trial beta <laughs> do you want your team at kevin clark to participate <laughs> <laughs> and this that was the email that really set me off <laughs> it's just and this is what my rant is about i was like look and this is not just about this this one time like i get this very often people email me multiple times and they're like hey did you miss did you miss our last email it's like no i don't miss any emails like the emails get delivered to the inbox. If I get your email, like your second one, that means I've gotten the first one. And if I haven't replied yet, there's a reason for that. Like, especially, especially if it's completely unsolicited. Like I never asked for your, your beta. Like I don't care. I don't give two craps about your beta and no, I don't want to test it. And I don't think I should have the obligation to reply to you. And I often wonder with these things like, okay, so, so what now? Like, you're just gonna, you're just gonna start emailing me every day to ask me if I missed your, your other email. Like, what the heck? Like, just like, if you send an email and the person doesn't respond, that's because they don't care. (laughs) That's it. Like, don't, don't send a follow up email. Like, don't do it. Like, it, it is just super annoying. So here's what I did. I just replied, hi, Vicente. I did not miss your note about the beta, Kevin. Old man Kevin, you're the clouds. Yeah, I was just like, like, no, I, I, did, I didn't miss the beta. I, and it was, it was kind of like <laughs> read between the lines. Um, I understand. Like the, the one reason like why they do this, and 99% of this is automated, so it's not, there's not even a human there playing a role here. I think the reason why shit, sorry, I just dropped my Apple pencil on the floor. Uh, the reason why they do it is because it's effective. I bet like one percent of uh, people who missed the first email uh, reply to the second one, like yourself. Probably, <laughs> probably, the person who wrote to you like is not a person; is actually like a bot. And so the fact that you replied saying, "No, I did not miss it. Don't, don't." you know don't bug me no but that I think is this, like a but i think this is where i think this is where um i start getting a real person <laughs> because vicente replied to my email he said oh shit really? he said should i assume you're not interested question mark and that's that's yeah. all he said no hi no 
nothing. He just um and so I replied and this is where I was like trying to ask people on Twitter like what funny thing should I send back? Um and I was like, "Uh, you know what? Like I don't want to be a dick about about this." So I just replied, "That's correct. I don't have to t- time to test and give feedback on beta software. Thank you and have a great day." So he, he still uh-huh. replied. <laughs> he said, "Oh no. It's it's not Take a beta, a hint, but a new product." <laughs> So I just don't know what to do anymore. I think I think I'm I'm just not gonna engage more because this person is clearly very interested in uh, me. Kevin get, Clark Industries, to, yeah, Kevin Clark Industries, exactly. Um, but seriously, like people, like this is just the worst. Just add it to the spam list. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> email. That's what I should do. Um, yeah, it's fine. There's so many people who like completely disrespect your email address. It's crazy. Like, obviously, I don't think it applies for this company because this is a company that's not based in Canada here. But we have laws in Canada. Like, you're not allowed to just email someone out of the blue uh, like this. What? Like, you need, is that a law? You need, yeah, you need explicit consent from the person. So I need to have signed up myself and have explicitly said, yes, I want to receive. Uh, oh, but that only applies for, like, newsletters and stuff. But I mean, like, uh, like, is that an, different from a newsletter at this point? Like, I, I'm not sure where the line yeah, is. Yeah, actually, I, like, it's it's hard to, you know, draw a line there, because if you say t- if you read it as is, like, hey, we're really interested in you and your Kevin Clark Industries uh, company to test this product, that that is not newsletter-y. Because it's like, it's not for everyone. It's, it's really just as exclusive yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know where it's that line person. is. Like, another example is... Like like recruiting. You know, recruiting emails, they're not newsletters. Sometimes they kind of... No, but, but <laughs> exactly. Like, like that's, that's where the line is drawn. Like, obviously, if it was, like, some kind of HTML thing, you'd be like, okay, no, this is a newsletter. Right. But this is effectively what it is. Like, it's just a newsletter formatted differently. <laughs> um, yeah, and, no, I, I get it. Like, my condo building started sending us email about the opening of this bar on the same street that i live in and i'm like where did i sign up for this like i don't care about that and i can't just like mark them as spam because like that's where they send like important updates that i Uh that i need to get and i was like okay so i'm just being marketed to (laughs) without my consent here this is terrible yeah yeah, that's a world of email. <sighs> so anyways, email, sucks. email is the worst and it's becoming more and more like actual physical mail. Like I'm telling you, like I don't think I have ever received like a single thing in the actual mailbox, like not packages, but uh-huh. in my mailbox that was a letter that I wanted. Like it's literally <laughs> like just junk mail all the time. Dude. To the extent that our building, they put like a giant recycling bin, like where all the mailboxes are. <laughs> so I just, I, none <laughs> of that stuff even makes it to my apartment. Like I just throw it out immediately. That's so uh, You have to try, look for an apartment and like sign up on a, one uh. of those websites. Dude, I, I kid you not. Like I signed up uh, this one website, like signed up to receive new offers as they mm-hmm. came in. Like, not even offers, like new apartments on, on the website. Um, I got targeted by like 10 different other, you know, real estate agencies and stuff. There's probably some fine print somewhere 
that like I just couldn't sign out of or opt out of. Right. But yeah, terrible. That's terrible. terrible. <laughs> so much market spam and like block contacts and stuff. Yeah, the best thing uh, is yeah. the Gmail filters. So I tend to do that sometimes. Um and I'm probably gonna try to figure out like a way to filter out the um the emails from my uh apartment building. Um Mm-hmm. but basically you can like set up keywords and you can set up like different functions i had once <laughs> company that automatically signed signed me up again illegal in canada uh for their newsletter when i bought something in store um and they oh, happens to me all the time even like t- sms yeah because they were like do you Stars. want the receipt over email and i was like sure like don't print a piece of paper like i send it over email that's fine but they they subscribed to me they subscribed me to their newsletter and they had an unsubscribe link but when you clicked it the page 404s <laughs> can you believe it just a 404 i can't like, believe it that's the problem it's and it's not like email. no typo no anything like it, the url seemed like just fine it was like 404 mm-hmm. what do you mean so it's like i tried emailing them saying like hey you're your page 404s and it's like obviously this is a no reply email address i was just like god damn it so what i did and they send emails so frequently dude so i went the metrics went up like oh my god look at this no one is sending out anymore wait i so i went into gmail and you can set up a filter for that email address when they email me i went to their website and found their uh support address and i said Every time you get an email from here, just automatically forward it to their support address. <laughs> so every time I got an email, just forward it to the support address. <laughs> and then, oh, wait a minute. Like, every time the support address emails me, it just forwards that too. <laughs> so I'm just creating this fantastic loop of emails. <laughs> and just hopefully one day they will deal That's with funny. it. Um, so. This is a tip for everyone. If you have people that like really abuse and send you emails and don't have any unsubscribe links, uh, you can do that in Gmail. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my tip for you. Amazing. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, should we get out of the rent mode and talk about recommendations? Ah, uh, you want to skip the this other one? I we can do this next one quickly. Actually, I think we can do both quickly. What is this? The two side dishes. Okay. All right. I just want to talk about this very briefly because I think this is interesting. And there is, it's like, there are things in life that sort of have a, a shelf life, I think. <laughs> and if we don't talk about it, then it'll just become, I guess, more boring. I don't know. Uh, but this is, this is, at least is very interesting to me. Uh, so this is a, <laughs> weirdly, like a blog post uh, by Mark Zuckerberg on facebook (laughs) they kind of have this like medium style (laughs) layout here um that i have never seen an actual person use (laughs) other than mark zuckerberg um and it's a long article um we'll put a link in the show notes uh and you can read it if you want um it's actually pretty readable (laughs) uh but uh the one thing i want to talk about a, a little bit more is um one section of this article so they talk a lot about uh, basically like content governance uh, and enforcement of their rules um, so that like they don't end up manipulating elections again uh, and that the 
quote unquote fake news um, doesn't get spread on their platform. And I know many people have many thoughts on Facebook, whether you like them or you don't or whatever. Like, I get that. That's fine. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, but I do think that what they're talking about is kind of interesting. So one of the things that they talk about is that um, people will engage way more with sensationalist are provocative <laughs> they can they actually like if you look at stats something that's provocative that's maybe like a like clickbait article or a completely false will get way more engagement than anything else and <laughs> what happens right now <laughs> like guess, guess what happens when something gets a lot of engagement it gets more visible to more people and will like surface higher up in your timeline so then more people see it and it's just like feeding this um this loop where this content yes, just gets viral effect yeah right? just gets more and more spread out um so what they they're saying is that the closer something gets to the the line that they draw on prohibited content the more engagement it gets so and what they're talking about here and what Mark Zuckerberg wants to do is to actually change that to basically make a system where the closer you get to the prohibited content line, the least amount of engagement it gets. So that like using that same loop, that same cycle to actually like have less people see it and therefore be buried further down and therefore so engagement has like a negative effect on exposure. Yes, exactly. And so the line stays where it is, but the crazy stuff just won't be spread out as much. Um, so I think, I don't know. I think this is a super interesting idea and there's obviously lots of, um, lots of issues with that right because like the only way you can do this is through ai machine learning and guess what ai machine learning has bias <laughs> um so how do you adjust for that um but i think this idea of sort of discouraging content that is maybe not the content that you want on your platform is an interesting idea and i think in a way sort of a design problem um and i think it's it's like thinking about how um we like design can de sometimes de-emphasize and obviously like design is not the only part of this but um like design can be used to de-emphasize um sort of the content that shouldn't be on your platform and it just like feeds right back into the the virtue cycle to actually like make it spread less so i don't know i i just want to like throw this out there like there's not much that i like can discuss or debate about this because i'm not an yeah, expert on it same. but i thought it was a super interesting point and it definitely like has made me think a lot about like how engagement is like an interesting uh metric and can tell you like different things um the same way that like when we put out a show and like, there's lots of people that talk about it like maybe that can be a good thing or maybe that can be a bad thing like if people say that like we're saying 
stupid things, then maybe it's not a bad thing. Or maybe even like engagement is a bad, um, bad proxy for whether or not we're doing a good show. Like maybe people actually like terrible shows that are like boring and not interesting. And so like this, I don't know, for me, like this opened up this idea that engagement is like obviously not the end and all be all and sometimes engagement is inversely correlated with what you actually want if you agree uh, tweet at us at layout <laughs> and uh, send a like <laughs> no that, that's very correct and it, I've, that's going to be one of the defining uh problems or questions of of, of honestly of our time because uh, right now everything is is like the reward is in profit, you know, money, engagement, numbers, all these big metrics. And it's been true for, you know, forever. I mean, that's, that's why the big companies, like they're not incentivized to like protect the environment, right? Because why they're going to spend more money, uh, you know, they're not going to make as much money. And like the benefit is like, because I guess the environment is better. You know, it's, it's harder to place value in these things. Um, and not just to the fault of humans, which, by the way, they're, we're very faulty. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, you mentioned, like, this show. For example, we have no way of knowing uh, if people like the show, right? So the only metric that we actually have and can get and can, like, guide us a little bit is, like, how many people are listening? Because we are assuming that the more people, if the more people that like the show... They will attract more people to listen to the show. So if more people listen to the show, that means that more people like the show anyway. It's not, I feel like it's not that far off, but it's it's it's, a, it's an effect of what we can actually get and what we, the tools that we have around us. Um, so I feel like that, that is also true for a lot of, you know, other mediums and other um, parts of life, honestly. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, cool. So the last thing I want to talk about is night sight. So I know, <laughs> speaking of engagement, some people have been complaining that we've been talking about a lot of Apple stuff lately. And yeah, you're right. You are right. You're right. Um, you're right. Honestly, yes. like sorry. We both are heavy Apple user. Um, but I think that still doesn't prevent me from appreciating and enjoying this stuff that Google makes. Um. And one thing that I've been super impressed with lately, um, and honestly, like probably I've been the most impressed with <laughs> uh, in photography for sure in a, a really long time is uh, Google Night Sight. So basically what this is, is it's this new mode uh, that Google have created um, that's inside the camera app um, on like the Pixel phone. I don't know if it's on how many Android devices like this, these kind of details escape me, but um, I think it's just pixel two and three, I believe. Okay. Not sure. Right. Um, so, and it's a mode that magically like without having any flash or anything like that, will just boost the luminosity of your image. Um, and take a picture that would be basically in pitch black where you can't see anything to actually make it, make you be able to see what's going on and have like a great picture. Um, Usable picture. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's not like you see, we'll put links in the show notes so people can see, 
um like the images it creates like it's not this these like grainy like noisy pictures they're actual good pictures like i like seeing the back the before and after it's shocking like it's not just a little bit bigger it's way better um yeah amazing tech so it's so impressive and it seems like they do all of that just in software which is the, even yeah. more fascinating like it's not like a crazy lens, new lens that they got because they it's they rolled out the update and on the pixel 2 and yep like totally works it's computational photography um on it's all the computers working for you yeah that's kind of crazy like so some of the stuff they, that they talk about is um they can um sometimes like use a uh shorter shutter speed when there's motion and make up for the rest with that kind of feature um that night sight mode so that like by making a shorter um shutter speed then that means that the image would be darker but they can compensate for it using uh that technology which is like super interesting so if you have like a die that's like moving around um then that like makes your picture sharper um they also talk a lot about um auto wide balancing uh when you're in low light because uh, obviously like when it's dark there is less color information that's available which means that you often end up with these like weird color balances and they have a machine learning model that like tries basically to figure out like hey what would be the actual color of this thing uh and honestly again like judging from all the images that i've seen the before and after it's like yeah it does it great <laughs> like haven't seen any use cases where it actually doesn't work well <laughs> so i don't know i think this is a fascinating new feature and i feel like it's you know it's the kind of stuff that google is good at um yeah. and I, I don't know like that that is like one thing that really makes me want to get a pixel like that it, it's a thing that i really like and it's something that i use my phone a lot for and it's like seriously impressive so yeah yeah what google is doing in, in the camera department is amazing uh you know ever since the iphone 7 like apple switched to a two lens um two lens system and uh google with their pixel phones like they never went that way they, they're all relying on on just algorithms like mm. computer, computational photography. Uh, and since the Pixel 2, at least, I think, is, it's been like the best camera in the market still. Yeah. And um, yeah, and Apple is doing like, I don't know if Apple is also like pursuing that or at least playing with that direction with the iPhone XR because they went, or they also only have one lens and they're trying to do some like the portrait effects and all also just by computational photography. So it's interesting. It's, it's amazing, mm -hmm. actually. Props to Google. Right. And I feel like the results of this are way better than portrait mode. And even I think Google's portrait mode, to be honest, like um I find that portrait modes are very hit or miss. Like I maybe have like twenty percent of the the portrait mode pictures that are actually any usable. Where this mm -hmm. it seems like every every shot is like knocking out of the park. So yeah. yeah. Crazy. Should we move to recommendations before we close this show? Let's do it. All right. I can start. I'm recommending an album and a TV show. So for the album, every once in a while I get like one of these songs that I just keep on repeat forever. That's how I listen to music. Like I pick 
you know, five songs and I listen to them on repeat. It's very boring, but I love it. <laughs> um, the like the the latest great song that I'm really into it is by Maggie Rogers. She's not she's not like an unknown artist by any means. Actually, she was a musical guest on SNL a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. Um, and the, the particular song that I'm really into is called "Light On," and uh, she has an album that. Um, uh, it's still like you know it's not out yet, but there's a couple of songs out of it available already. Uh, the album is called uh, "Heard It in a Past Life," hmm. which is Maggie Maggie Rogers. She's really cool. She, I, I'm really into her. So um, that's one. Uh, and the TV show is uh, it's like one of those things that I shouldn't be like uh, I shouldn't be proud to say that I'm watching. It's like trash TV, but not really. It's <laughs> It's a show on Netflix, and it's like uh, one of those cooking shows, like cooking game shows, like this competition, like Master Chef and stuff like that. But it's from the it's from the team that brought us uh, Chef's Table on Netflix. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like amazing cinematography, like amazing photography on that show. Uh, but now they're making this like this game show, this 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 whatever. So it's called The Last Table, <laughs> and it's I think it's like a it's it's a perfect blend of this is a great show and this is trash. I think it's <laughs> it's like it's very campy on their set. I feel like their set is like just way over the top. Um, <laughs> but then you know it's 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 appealing enough, it's engaging enough that I I just keep watching it mm-hmm. uh, and are almost done through the season. Um, is it the kind of show just, where you like start watching for the cooking, but then like you very quickly get attached to the characters that are in? Uh, or no, I, I, I'm going to say not as much as Master Chef. I feel okay. like because um, like so you have uh, various teams of like pairs of chefs, and all the contestants they're actually pretty successful, great chefs. Like through you know in the whole world, they're really good. So they're not like amateurs mm, or whatever. Okay. So they're really good. And um, the format of the show is like every episode, there's um, like a country of like a, a origin. So they have to cook, um, you know, dishes typical from that country. So like, let's say this is India's uh, episode, you know, so they're going to cook uh, Indian cuisine <laughs> effectively. Uh, okay. And there's always, so there's like two phases. So there's the initial phase in where you have three guests from that country um uh to to kind of to, to to judge and everyone has to do like a traditional dish okay. um so everyone has to cook the same dish and they can they can add their own spin to it you know their their own twist uh but uh yeah and then they're going to pick three like the three worst dishes then they're going to have to compete against themselves uh and there's going to be a very like a a famous chef to judge it and instead of being like all, they all have to cook to prepare this the same dish, um, the second phase is there's a there's one ingredient that they're going to have to use, and that's it. Like it has to be like the main, uh, the main the, the star of the dish, right? Mm, okay. And that's it. And there's like there's two phases, um, and that's it. it's a pretty like typical cliche show. But uh, the fact that they're all great chefs, they're really good at what they're doing. <laughs> Um, just makes it a bit more interesting to see, like, great, like, very creative uh, dishes and all, and it's it's cool. It's cool. And every once in a while, you get you get those 
hints of that of that type of photography that you remember from Chef's Table that were so good at. Um, so yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, sometimes you need that show that's just like you know you play it in the background. It's just like you I pay know, attention right? sometimes, but it's also fine if you don't like pay too close attention to it. Uh-huh. So yeah, cool. There you go. What about you, man? So uh, this week I went uh, music related. Um, so I have two songs to recommend. So the first one is "If It Feels Good, Then It Must Be" uh, by Leon Bridges. Uh, it's on the album "Good Thing," uh, and that ha- album has been out for a while. Uh, but I don't know why. But I just recently started listening to it, uh, and I really liked his previous album before that. Uh, great album. Uh, and so this album's still like growing on me. I think it's like very interesting, a little bit different from his previous album. Um, but this song is a great song to sort of get into it. Um, so check that out. Um, my second one is a little bit different, um, both in terms of style and actually like what it is. Um, so this is Skywalker by uh, Miguel, but this is the uh, recorded live version um from austin city limits which i don't even know i'm guessing that's a venue um i just discovered this uh randomly on apple music and this is actually like a really great version of that song um which i like i've been listening to that song for a really long time uh but this kind of version of it this live version uh made me really listen to it again um and i just i really like the song so go check it out austin city limits is a festival i believe ah there we go. All right. Well, uh, that was it for our show. Uh, if you listen, if you're still listening, again, thank you so much. And we, uh, I feel like we don't say this enough. It really, 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 really means a lot to us that you know you listen to the show, all of you, <laughs> dozens of you. Uh, not fair <laughs> that all of you listen to the show. I mean, that that's why we keep going because it's it's really it's really humbling when when uh, sometimes you know when you reach out to us. Uh, and you say they like it so um, thank you so <laughs> you can get in touch with us um, via Twitter that's probably the easiest way if you want so if you have any questions if you want to suggest topics for us to talk about if you have any uh, feedback uh, if you just have like follow up for us um, tweet at us we are at Layout FM. Uh, I am at Rafa Hari and Kevin is at Vernal Kick and uh, you can find the show notes for this show you can find links uh, you know, if you want to sponsor our show, you can find links. Uh, we don't have stickers to sell, but you can, you know, check out all the other episodes if you want. We have links to subscribe if you haven't already. And um, lastly, this show is part of Spec FM Network. If you're looking for more shows to listen to, check them out uh, by going to spec.fm on the interwebs. And there's a lot of shows. You know, there's our uh, buddy show, design show, uh, design details. There's this show I keep forgetting the name. Tools Tools Day Tool with Una and. Uh, What's the name of that show? I think that's the name of it, but I have not listened to it, so... <laughs> yeah, I think Tools Day. Yeah, whatever. I, I'm really into it, that show, apparently. <laughs> I can't even remember the name. Uh, but they just had a... They just had a... Maybe it's not the previous show, but the, the one after. You know, they were recapping all of the things introduced on, um, on like, uh, the React uh, event that was. Like, all the new f- uh, features coming in React, and it was a pretty good summary, and it's awesome. Um, so anyway spec.fm check him out and uh, with that Kevin I'll say goodbye and I'll talk to you next week cool alright bye bye
Welcome to Layout, a weekly podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Our main topic for this week, how do you approach big projects, both in terms of scope and in time? And in time? Both in terms of scope? Yeah. Both in terms of... And time? Both in terms of scope and time. Yeah. How do you approach big projects, both in terms of scope and time? How do you approach big projects? How do you approach big projects? How do you approach <laughs> big projects? How do you approach big projects? <laughs> please, please make this the pre-roll. <laughs> like, I just want that to be the beginning and then our, um, our intro music. <laughs> People will get it. People will get it. <laughs> they won't get it. I just just put it at the end. Uh, no, put it at the beginning. Or uh, imagine that end. this is like know. someone's first time listening to layout. But I always like the beginning jokes because it's always like it gets you in the right mood to listen to the show. How do you approach break? How do you how <laughs> do you approach break projects? How do Hi. <laughs> Hi. My... Hi. How do you project approach? <laughs> Hi. How do ha. weekly podcast to layout? How do you for this week? Technology and everything else. <laughs> uh, I think I have a bug.